You're listening to Trademarks Made Easy. Trademarks Made Easy is the podcast focused on helping brand owners in the e-commerce space. With your host, Susie Hickson, the private label lawyer. But don't worry, you won't find too much legalese here. Well, hey there, and welcome back. My name is Susie Hickson, and I'm the founder of the Private Label Law Boutique. We help clients create long-term wealth with their private label products by guiding them through the complexities of the legal landscape so they can grow their private label businesses securely and confidently on a daily basis. So today, I'm going to be talking about a trailblazing trademark, Crankenboom. So if you love ice cream as much as I do, you're going to definitely want to check Crank and Boom out. Not only do I love this brand name and this company, but the great thing about what they've done is they've really created this brand name that piques customers' interest and it makes people smile. You want to create an emotional connection with your consumer. It's so important. Now, I also talk about a few trademark fails. So I'm a big believer in how we can learn from others' mistakes. And in this particular situation, we're going to really be digging into the importance of doing trademark searches prior to filing with some really great tips that I know you will not want to miss. And finally, I'm going to be answering a few questions regarding whether slogans can be protected as trademarks. and the protection of trademarks outside of the United States. So of course, if you ever have any questions, feel free to reach out to me and maybe you'll hear your question on a future podcast. So let's get ready to roll and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Trailblazing Trademarks where I talk about really great trademarks. I also talk about some trademark fails. Those are always fun to learn from and I answer questions that are submitted to me. Okay, so I have three questions that I'm going to get to today. I've got one trailblazing trademark that I want to talk about, and I have two trademark fails. So we'll get started on the trailblazing trademark um, this week. It's Crank and Boom. And this company is actually out of Lexington, Kentucky. And the cool thing about Crank and Boom, other than the fact that they're my client, <laughs> is that they started out in a food truck and they basically make hand churned or handmade ice cream, hence the name Crank. So I think that's really cool. And the and boom part, I think that means like it's immediately produced. So it's like Crank and then boom, you have your ice cream. I think it's a cool trademark. They've been around since probably 2014. Their website is Crank and Boom. I strongly suggest that you check it out. And actually, I take that back. I'm looking at some of their information. Crank and Boom, they were actually looking for a dessert option. And this was a little bit before 2014. And they actually had a Thai restaurant also. So they just started, they started making these this ice cream out of a two quart Cuisinart ice cream maker that apparently they'd spent like $60 on. So they started making these small batches of ice cream using local ingredients and fresh ingredients, which is pretty cool. 
and they have again they started out in a food truck and now they have at least one location in lexington kentucky you can also have them at your wedding or your events festivals corporate retreats and things like that so if you are in the lexington kentucky area of course they might be someone that you might want to reach out to and they also do wholesale so if you're not in lexington area you might be able to find the ice cream at Whole Foods. I know that I've seen it at several Whole Foods outside of Kentucky, so look for Crank and Boom. Like I said, they have really exotic flavors. It's a fun brand. They're doing some really great things. The owner, her name's Tao, she's a great person. So make sure you check out Crank and Boom. And again, this is a what I consider a trailblazing trademark. One thing I love about the trademark itself is that it's not you know, it's not an arbitrary mark. And, and I've talked about arbitrary marks and how arbitrary marks are, it, it would be almost like you were opening up a dictionary and pointing to a word and said, boom, there's my trademark, you know, my totally unrelated word for my product. An example of an arbitrary mark, I use it all the time, you know, Apple computers, that's, that's an arbitrary mark. The word Apple, the trademark Apple has no relationship to the underlying products, which are computers. Another one would be camel cigarettes. So I kind of hate using like a, a cigarette example, but wait till I get to this, another question I have in a minute. So we'll, we'll kind of be along the same. This is going to be like the vices. So um, we've got our ice cream, we've got our good fattening stuff. We're going to talk about cigarettes. We're going to talk about cannabis in a minute. But back to arbitrary marks, again, those, those terms are just picked up from the dictionary. That's how you could come up with an arbitrary term in camel brand cigarettes is an arbitrary term. So I think that arbitrary terms, like they're, they're kind of easy, right? Like you could probably just open up the dictionary and find a term that is totally unrelated to your products. That'd be really easy. Now you're running into a few problems if you do that. First of all, it's going to be harder to get that trademark registered. It's getting harder and harder just because there's so many just real words that are subject to trademark protection. So you might have a lot to navigate with the USPTO, something to keep in mind. Another issue with arbitrary marks is that there's not that emotional connection with the consumer. And I think that's really important when you're creating your trademark is that you create a brand name that actually has some type of emotional connection to the consumer. Like it makes them smile um, or laugh, like, like the term crank and boom. I mean, it kind of piques your interest. You don't know immediately what it is. So that's another great thing about it. And it it kind of alludes like, okay, what's being cranked? This is interesting. And then when you learn about what the product is, you're like, oh, that's a really cool trademark. It, you know, makes people smile. But of course it's it's ice cream, right? So like, I mean, that usually makes everybody smile. It makes me smile. It's one of my favorite things ever ice cream. So huge shout out to Crank and Boom and Tal in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm really happy for you guys. It sounds like you all are doing great. I've been to the location at the summit and we had a great time. And I can't remember what I got. I want to say it was like a butter pecan, but they have some, I think that's like with a bourbon flavor. So good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So now I want to talk about a trademark fail. I've got two trademark fails. And the first one is a little boring. The second one's funny. So this first one, th this applicant with the USPTO filed an application for the trademark Rough Chewers for dog toys. 
Okay, trademark, right? Like, I mean, a little weak. Well, they got a refusal to register, gasp, <laughs> based on the mark, rough chews for dog beds. Okay, someone did not do at least their preliminary searching before they filed this trademark. Here's the deal. Something like dog toys, dog beds, even though they're different products, they're going to travel in the same channels of trade. They're going to be in similar stores. There's a good chance they're going to be, you know, if, if it's a smaller store, like a, a grocery store, it's a good chance that the products could be on the exact same shelf, right? So they could be close to each other. Consumers can see these and think that rough chewers for toys is the same or comes from the same source as the rough chews for dog beds. So this was a situation where that, you know, uh, just a probably a quick preliminary search would have prevented these people from filing this trademark application. Maybe they did and they didn't think about it. But one one good rule here, one good takeaway is that when you're searching and you're doing your own preliminary searching, make sure you search for just little differences in maybe spellings of a mark and maybe search minor variations. So for example, this trademark that was rejected is Rough Chewers. Chewers, C-H-E-W-E-R-S. The mark they were rejected on was Rough Chews. So they should have searched C-H-E-W, right? So they could have included some more results if they had searched. Another thought here is that the, the term rough here is spelled R-U-F-F, which makes sense because we're dealing with rough roughs. I've, I've got my little wolf back here with me and I'll let her take a say hello here in a few minutes. But just something to think about is when you're doing these searches on your own, search for spelling variations. R-O-U-G-H, you know, could be searched. If you are searching, if, if your term, your trademark has the word eight, A-T-E, you might want to search E-I-G-H-T or the number eight just to cover your bases. And again, search variations of marks like chewer. You would want to search the word chew. So get rid of the ERs, get rid of the plural, get rid of the ING. You might want to get rid of if you have an RE in the front of your term. Now, these are tips again, like if you're doing your own searches, if you outsource the search to a third party, I use CompuMark, their software saves a lot of time because the cool thing is it it searches these variations for us. So, I mean, you could go down a rabbit hole and be searching all day long and not ever come up, you know, with, with certain or never come to the end of the possibilities that you could be searching. So something to think about after you do your own preliminary slash knockout search, I call them quick and dirties also, really consider whether or not you do want to take another step and outsource and, and, you know, do that comprehensive, that deep dive. So it can definitely save people a lot of time and money and headache in the long run. In this situation, the USPTO did refuse the mark rough chewers. It was just too close to rough chew for dog toys. And I agree with this holding. I think it was good. I don't always agree, but I usually do. So anyway, that was a really good one. Now, the other trademark fail that I want to talk about is a portmanteau. And 
if you've been listening to me long enough, you know that I really love portmanteau trademarks. And this is when you take two terms and you kind of squish them together to make your own trademark. Some people hate these. I love them. We already use portmanteaus probably every single day. If you say something about smog, that's smoke and fog, you might be eating with a spork, which is a spoon and fork. So these can also, if, if you know, as, as long as they're not already used in the general lexicon, they can also be trademarks. And I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I gave an example of one of my favorite trademarks, one of my favorite brands, and one of my favorite companies, Strawsum. They took the term straw and the term awesome and strawsome. And the term strawsome isn't overly used, right? Like it's not already in the general lexicon. It acts as a source indicator or a trademark for that company, the company that sells these glass straws. So strawsome is a portmanteau. It's awesome. Always consider portmanteaus when you're going through the trademark creation process. You be careful when you're squishing words together. So I came across a couple of funny ones. And one was, I'll start with this first one. It's not that bad of a fail, but it kind of was weird. Smart Tours. And that's S-M-A-R-T-O-U-R-S. So it's questionable whether or not it's like a true portmanteau. But when you look at it, it almost you don't know if it's saying smart tours or smart hours. So in addition to the fact that the term smart is used, which I'm usually just say don't use the word smart in a trademark because it's so overused, <laughs> like the word eco and green and, and things like that. There are certain, tra- there are certain trademarks you'll see or elements of trademarks that become really, really popular, really trendy, like, and smart is one of them. So this company is smart tours and I was confused when I first saw this because I was like, is it smart hours? And then I was like, oh, okay, it's smart tours. So when you're making these portmanteaus, make sure they make sense. Now, the other one I want to talk about is hilarious. It's called Pool Life. And you can find them at www.pooolife.com. So they took the letter L and used it for both the word pool and life, but they got rid of one of the L. So when you look at it, it almost looks like poo life. They just took these two terms, they slammed them together, and they ended up with this sort of portmanteau. I'm sure they're a great company, but it's it's actually kind of funny. So we'll give them a little bit of a a comedy shout out here because poo life and not pool life is kind of hilarious. I think it's funny. So those are my trademark fails. And actually, I guess I did three trademark fails instead of two. But yeah, the trademark fails are rough chewers because someone didn't do their searching before they filed. And my second one was smart tours, smart hours. And then the last one, of course, is poo life. So take that. Now, some questions. I want to get to a few questions that I had submitted to me. Now, remember, if you ever have any questions, please, please feel free to email them to me. And I like to take a little time whenever I do trailblazing trademarks to try to get to a few of them. So I've got three that I'm going to be able to get to. Let's see, I've got two that I'm going to get to today. And then I've got three little questions that I will get to the next time we talk. And particularly because one of them, I actually, it came to me a little late and I don't know the answer to it. 
I will admit when I don't know the answer to something. So I don't know the answer and I am going to have to do a little bit of research on it, but I'll, I'll kind of dig into what I know, but we'll, we'll talk about it in more depth in a future trailblazing trademarks episode. But the first question that I wanted to address today is someone had asked me, can you trademark a catchphrase or slogan? Yes, you can. So an example of some catchphrases or slogans would be just do it by Nike. I'm loving it (laughs) by McDonald's. Another one is taste the rainbow. And I think I use that as sort of the top of one of my trailblazing trademark Facebook live announcements. And then today when I sent out my announcement about a, our Facebook live, I talked about, or I mentioned that's hot. That was a Paris Hilton registration. I, I kind of feel like that. I feel like that's so old for some reason. I feel like I don't really see her out and about very much, but maybe I just don't pay attention to celebrities like I did 15 years ago. But um, she filed for that's hot and has a couple of registrations for it. So good for her. But yes, you can register a catchphrase or slogan as long as it acts as a source indicator, right? So when someone sees it, they know what the source of it is. When someone sees the words, that's hot, you know, maybe not so much now, but 10 years ago, people probably were like, oh, hey, that's Paris Hilton, you know, on a bag or something. If you hear or someone say, you know, I'm loving it, or if you see that that slogan, you know, McDonald's. So there are some issues with these types of terms. And one of them is that sometimes these become so popularly used in the general lexicon that they cannot function as trademarks. For example, you hear a lot of like city strong, like Boston strong. That's just use. That isn't the source indicator for one single entity. Black Lives Matter is another one. Another one would be Me Too. So be very careful when you're trying to take these, if you want to take these really trendy phrases and try to use them as a trademark, you could run into problems there. I've seen people try to do this and I've actually filed oppositions against companies who try to register these types of terms because everyone, you know, there's certain terms that are just so commonly used in the general lexicon that everyone should get to use them. Not one specific entity can claim it as a trademark. So be careful if you come across certain terms that seem super cool and trendy because number one, they're not going to act as a source indicator for you. And number two, trends come and go. So (laughs) by the time your trademark gets registered and anyone who's gone through that process knows it's not an overnight thing, by the time it gets registered, the trend is, is probably gone. So, you know, just be very careful about those those slogans or those things that you see out on Facebook and Instagram that just seem really popularly used. And at some point, I think I will talk about hashtags because this is another issue that I'm seeing a lot more of, even if someone doesn't ask me the question, I think I'll talk about hashtags and using brand names as a hashtag. So many of us are on Instagram and other social media platforms, and we have a tendency to do that, to use that hashtag. And I actually used a hashtag the other day that's a brand name. So, <laughs> so I gave them a big shout out, but we'll, I don't know if they, if they send me an email, I'll talk to them about it and see what happens. But I think it, I think it should be fine, but it's something that I am going to look into 
And I think it's information that people will find very beneficial. Another question, does my US federally registered trademark protect me in other countries? So the quick answer is no. Remember that trademark law is jurisdictional. And this means that every country has its own laws and processes that trademark applications go through in order to be granted rights to the trademark. So if you want to be granted rights in Australia, you you know, your US registration is not doesn't mean anything in Australia. So you will need to file for trademark protection in Australia. And of course, every country has different laws. And one major example of that is that in the US, we are on a first to use system. So in the US, you can be granted common law rights to the trademark when you first start using it. Most other countries, including China, don't, don't recognize this. It's a first to file system. Now, if you're interested in foreign filing, you do have several options. One would be filing via the Madrid Protocol, which makes some, some of the process a little bit simpler. There are some negative aspects. If you're interested in filing in just the European Union and getting a protection in all of the member countries of the EU, then you can file, instead of filing in every EU member country, you can file and get protection in the entire European Union. That brings me to Brexit, right? Like I thought that was one of those things that was gone and like we weren't gonna have to worry about, but it sounds like maybe with this new election of Boris Johnson, I guess it's an election. I don't quite understand the UK processes, but my understanding is that it seems like Brexit is probably gonna happen. So if you currently have a registration for your trademark, in the European Union, then you need to talk with your attorney about how and if and what you're if you're going to be able to have that extended into the UK. I believe that's going to be what happens. I believe the UK will actually recognize EU registrations after Brexit actually happened after the whole thing happens. And speaking of Brexit and portmanteaus, Brexit is a portmanteau, Britain and exit. Little side note, but just uh, just something to keep in mind that if you do have an EU registration and, you know, UK is specifically important to you, you might want to speak with your council about how Brexit is going to impact that UK registration. Again, I think that they're just going to kind of grandfather EU registrations in, but I don't know the answer to that yet. And I don't think anyone definitely knows. I think they're, I think they're still trying to figure all that out. And I kind of feel like maybe some things were on hold with with the, with all of this because there might have been some thinking that Brexit was not going to actually happen, but it sounds like it's going to. So I hope you found that information helpful. Now, I'm going to talk about, I'm just going to mention three things that I'm going to talk about next time I do trailblazing trademarks. First of all, I got a question today from an influencer and I don't, influencers are people who make a lot of their income by kind of being popular on social media. That's my understanding of influencer. I think I'm a little bit out of the influencer <laughs> age range where I, you know, completely get a grasp of that. But if someone has a better definition, let me know. But this influencer, it's really cool. Who had asked me like, 
I am having some trademark issues and I need to know what I need to think about as a, an Instagram influencer in terms of protecting me and my intellectual property. So I'm going to be talking about that next week. So hold on on that. I think it'll be really interesting. The other thing I'm going to talk about, and this is going to be interesting, is cannabis related goods and services because there have been some changes to the U.S. laws, particularly the farm bill, right? And the USPTO is trying to kind of figure out what goods and services can be registered with respect to cannabis products and services. And I don't really know the answer to that right now. So I'm going to need to, I need to put my lawyer hat on, my, my research hat and look into this a little bit. I haven't had any clients today specifically file for cannabis goods or services, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the next year, a couple of years to see if um, marijuana gets completely decriminalized. Hopefully it will. I think that we're kind of beyond, you know, having kind of the government (laughs) keep that uh, a criminal, I guess it's a class one drug. I think that's what it's considered. So hopefully they'll they'll declassify that and then I think that's the correct language and then decriminalize it and people will, will be able to file for trademark registration on the federal level for products that are related to that industry, either marijuana or, you know, there's there's obviously a huge industry around it in, in states that have kind of legalized it recreationally, like especially Colorado and California. There could be a lot of trademarks (laughs) that need to be filed at some point. So I think that 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 could be just a great growth industry. I say legalize it and tax it. We'll see what happens. So I am going to talk about that next next time we get together. I'm going to dig in on that a little bit and try to get better answers for you all. Currently, the USPTO will not permit the registration of a trademark for a product or service that's considered illegal. So that's kind of the hang up there, um, but we'll see how things change <laughs> over the next the next few years. I know that several candidates have called for complete um, for 2020 have called for complete decriminalization. So I think that it's going to be something that people are going to be talking about a lot over the next year. Speaking of the 2020 election, I am going to talk at our next Trailblazing Trademarks event about slogans, campaign slogans for 2020. And I'm going to go through a few of the interesting ones. We're going to talk about Make America Great Again and something interesting that I discovered about that trademark after I put on my attorney investigation hat. And I'm going to just put it out there and talk to you all about it. So it's it's very interesting and I feel like it's kind of timely. Please shoot over any questions to me that you might have about trademarks. That's what I love. That's what I love to talk about. And of course, if you are the owner of a trailblazing trademark, let me know. I would love to talk about you. If you have any great ideas for trailblazing trademarks, let me know. I would love to talk about them. So thank you guys so much. And I hope that you have a happy hump day and I'll see you at the next trailblazing trademarks. Bye. That's all for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you loved it and I hope you found it of value. Everyone talks about the importance of product selection in the private label world, but I have a secret for you. It's not just about product selection. It's also about creating a strong trademark. 
or brand name for your private label products. Your products can evolve and change over time, but that brand name can last forever. So are you struggling with creating a strong trademark for your business or your product or your service? Do you want a trademark that resonates with your prospective customers? Are you worried about being on the receiving end of a dreaded cease and desist letter? Well, guess what? You do not need to be a trademark attorney or a quote unquote creative to create a beautiful brand name. I can teach you how. So make sure you go pick up my Trademark Trailblazer brand name creation quick start bundle to help you get started at www.trademarkquickstart.com. And again, thank you so much for tuning in today. And remember, never stop learning. Thanks for listening to Trademarks Made Easy with Susie Hickson, the private label lawyer. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe anywhere you find podcasts or at theprivatelabellawyer.com. Remember, the information provided in the Trademarks Made Easy podcast should not be construed as legal advice. It's for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered a substitute for legal advice. Also, I'm not your attorney. You should engage with an attorney to discuss your specific legal issues. And finally, while I have taken precautions to ensure that the content of my podcast is current and accurate, errors can occur. And thankfully, like us, the laws are ever evolving.